Welcome to The Trillist. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing colorism in the black community. Um, There's colorism in several different communities, the Latinx community, the Asian community, and so on. Um, I think it's due to um, colonialism and like the white standard of beauty is like idealized. Um, So for those of you who do not know, colorism is prejudice or discrimination against individuals with a dark skin tone, typically among people of the same ethnic or racial group. So on today's episode, we have four amazing guests, all of the chocolate variety. So we have Stephanie. Hi, my name is Stephanie Coachman. Charles. Hi, my name is Charles Curtis Thomas. Kristen. Hi, my name is Kristen Yukiyama. And Aaron. What's up, I'm Aaron. All right, could you guys each go and like say what you identify as, um, mm-hmm. as in like the black community, whether you're light skin, dark skin, in between, you know? Okay, I'll start. I'm Stephanie, and I'm about as white as they come in the black community. <laughs> Real yellow bone. Uh, my name is Charles. I'm about as dark as they come in the community. <laughs> uh, now, uh, yeah, I d- but identify as dark skin. All right. Uh, my name is Kristen. Oh, I think. My bad. Uh, I'm brown skin. Okay. Yeah, and I identify as mixed. Okay. Perfect. So, have each of you been affected by colorism in any way, shape, or form? This could come with like getting a internship and you think because you're like blah 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 you didn't necessarily get it it can be like coming in like the shape of like dating discrimination or even like how people view you if um beauty or handsomeness wise it's not a word but whatever so i actually have one from yesterday Mm -hmm. so i was at the door for this party taking people's money and whatnot and these four girls these like four like Latinx girls, they come up and they say, oh, how much is it? I'm like, oh, it's whatever. I said, no, it's too much money. I'm like, okay, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And they said, like, you're Hispanic, right? I said, no. They're like, stop lying. I'm like, what? <laughs> they said, you're Hispanic. I said, no, I'm not. They're like, what are you? Are you white? I said, no. I'm like, then what are you? I'm like, I'm mixed. And then they just started, like, talking in Spanish. Like, I don't understand Spanish, too. Like, oh, this fucking mulatto. He's like, uh-huh. trying to rip us off and whatnot. And so the money's a different issue, but it's kind of just, like, not being believed or like yeah. being questioned about myself right. mm-hmm. but it's like that doesn't hurt me mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's something i have to deal with but like it doesn't like really negatively affect my life i think people are just like uncomfortable when they see someone and they don't know how to like categorize them uh, you know because when you see right. people like you like they put them into boxes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so when you can't tell that it like makes you uncomfortable and you like don't know how to react mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. still got their money though so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'd say definitely on, like, the dating aspect, you know, as a dark-skinned guy, definitely, uh, like, have that conversation a lot, you know, with those light-skinned guys. Uh, when uh, I had my ex-girlfriend that I was dating before I came to Penn, uh, she was really into light-skinned guys, uh, and obviously I'm not a light-skinned guy. What What was she, by the way? Uh, she was, like, brown skin, I guess. Okay. Brown skin, yeah. So, so maybe, like, a little lighter brown skin. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it was one of those things where she would be, like, really into Latin guys. I don't, like, fit into that category. And sometimes it made me feel like, and this is just in general, it just made me feel a little bit, like, uncomfortable because, like, it's one of those things that you really can't control. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to, like, dating and finding a partner and stuff like that, it's such an important quality of life. And to be hit with something that is, like, so truly out of your control that has such a, like, a big determining factor on who you end up being with, whether it's, you know, someone brown skin, dark skin, mixed, white, you know, Hispanic, whatever it is, like, uh, being dark skin has, like, a very, very strong effect on that, I would say. Mm. Um, I became really aware of colorism when I came to Penn. Mm. Like, this probably was a factor in high school as well, but I wasn't noticing it. I wasn't looking out for it. But when I came to Penn, especially since I'm from, like, 
very black region. Like everyone is black. We're in like. Tell us where you're from. I'm from PG County, Maryland, and in this area, there are white people. There are other minorities, but they're very small. Like it. That was so. This was just a very new experience coming to Penn. So when I saw this black community and saw how many white people there were, I saw this like not aspiring to be white, but like there's this. They're like black people, black men often, since that's, you know, I'm attracted to men. I found that they wanted light-skinned people. Mm. They wouldn't express this, like, directly, of course. But, you know, I've noticed that amongst my friend groups, or amongst my friends, we talk about how only certain people got pulled at parties. Mm. And it's not that any of us are ugly, necessarily. It's just that these girls that were getting pulled were bright, to mm-hmm. say the least. And... That was frustrating to go through every day, especially my darker friends, because I am brown, so I don't receive the fullest extent of colorism. Mm-hmm. But I see my beautiful dark skinned friends not get even like mm-hmm. guys would come up to our friend group mm-hmm. and only talk to certain people, yeah. ignoring them completely. Wow. So true. And that's yeah. just crazy. Yeah. Can so. you like just tell the audience because what pull is? Because I know we're all oh, hip pull. to it. <laughs> they don't get like yeah. like guys don't flock to them. Like they're not getting you're not they're not being not shown love, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that's what I refer to as a pool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, when I came to Penn, um, I also, like, for the first time, started to really, like, recognize colorism. Because where I come from is, like, a 95% white area. Where are you from? Uh, a town called Lake Orion, Michigan. Mm-hmm. It's in the metro Detroit area, which is, like, one of the most segregated parts of the country. So my part is just extremely white. Um, and um, so in high school, like, I just didn't get any attention, like, at all, just because it was, you know, all white boys and mm-hmm. <laughs> even a few black boys that were there only wanted white girls. So mm-hmm. it was like, you know, I just didn't, I just didn't experience like any understanding of what colorism was. And then when I got to Penn, I remember being like shocked at how many guys would be like showing interest to in me and how many guys would be talking to me. And I'd be like, what is going on here at Penn? <laughs> and then it took me a minute, but then I was like, wait a second, like most of them only talk to light girls yeah. and they're only talking to me because mm-hmm. I'm light. And then I had to understand that as a light-skinned girl, I don't want somebody who only wants me because I'm light-skinned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's it, then I had to realize, like, I have to kind of, like, like flush out, like, figure out who's just fetishizing and who's not because, mm-hmm. like, who would want to be associated with someone like that? But it's kind of strange because, like, I'm, on the one hand, you want to give everyone a chance, but you always have to have that in the back of your mind. Like, do they want you for you or do they just want, you know... Light skin babies type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's so true. Like you got to be able to like differentiate those type of things. You know, like uh, like after I broke up with my ex girlfriend, like the girl I'm with now, she's someone like she actually likes dark skin guys and everything like that. And like you know, everyone has their preferences. Like and like you know, oh, I think light skin guys are cute. But it's not one of those things where like I'm only going to be defined by this color. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm open to any other color and everything like that. And I think it's like really important to keep that like healthy aspect of mind of like okay being able to differentiate, you know. Where do you draw that line, though? You know, so, like, everybody has preferences, but, mm-hmm. like, where like where does it cross the line become fetishization, right. you know? Yeah, it's true. So it's, like, it's real murky, because, like, I get clowned all the time because, like, my girlfriend's light-skinned, you mm-hmm. know, like, I like light-skinned girls. That's, like, just, like, my preference. But, like, is it fetishization? Like, I wouldn't think so, you know, but, like, who's to say? Because, like, you would say, like, oh, he's a fetish for light-skinned girls. Like, my track record, like, yes. would prove you right, but I don't feel like it's that way. I mean, I wouldn't say, like, I feel like the word preference is used a lot in the conversation with Mm. colorism, and I don't want to say it's a fetishization, but I think that even, like, so every, like, the way we exist now and, like, what we do and what we like is very heavily controlled by our society and what we're around and what we see. So I wouldn't say it's a fetishization. Like, that's a very strong word to use. I would say that maybe you like light-skinned girls because 
we were raised in a society that fed that not fetishizes but uh, shows whiteness as the standard of beauty yeah. as Sia mm. mentioned so I don't know like what right. is like to unpack your preference like as you mentioned I think someone had a preference for light skin Charles you said yeah so like are these preferences just random oh my personality type is to like light skin people or dark skin people or are we <laughs> socialized to think that these are the higher standards of beauty and therefore this is what we prefer yeah, I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier, Kristen, where uh, mm -hmm. you're at the party and, like, the guys weren't showing any love to, like, you know, more of the brown skin girls and mm -hmm. everything like that. I think once it begins to, like, preclude you from inter even interacting with the other color or the color of, like, choice or whatever, I think that's when, like, the cross line becomes a problem, where it's, like, affecting your preferences towards that person, mm -hmm. like, how you act to them or how you prejudge them or anything like that. Yeah, but I think, again, to bring up, like, the preferences thing, I think if you you like what you like, you might find, like... You, those girls like attractive but i think it crosses the border when people like um kodak black are saying like f um dark-skinned women they're like blah 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 and saying really problematic things like calling women and even guys that are darker toned like roaches and stuff like that that's right. where it crosses the line mm -hmm. you know so this like makes me i know with Kristen, you're vocal like on twitter and stuff when yes. it comes to the colorism stuff can you like break that down for us and tell us why you become like vocal that aspect? um i've i mean i feel like recently as i just delve into like my interest in sociology and like how people behave um i'm very vocal about colorism because it affects people like especially like i like how you gave the ex extreme example of kodak black and mm -hmm. how he's very like you know f these dark-skinned women but sometimes you don't have to say those things to be just as like painful just as like mean like for those guys that don't talk to dark-skinned girls at parties like I know at my time here, I've been like, yo, you don't talk to all of my friends. You need to talk to all of my friends. And they'll be like, fine, we'll say hello. But at the end of the day, they're not going to pursue these women out of all in the name of preferences. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I just don't like her. I'm attracted to, you know? And I feel like that's, well, that's also painful. Like, those preferences are also damaging to these women, you know? So obviously, maybe you're not maliciously intending to exclude them in your search for a boo, but... <sighs> This is, like, because you've been socialized to think that whiteness is a standard of beauty. And I also want to extend colorism a little bit to even, like, hair texture. Like, I've noticed mm. people with looser ha curled hair. Like, it's a categorized one as good hair. Mm. And, like, they're just also grouped in this category of what we like to see in black people. Mm -hmm. And this just marginalizes a lot of dark-skinned women. And these preferences are harmful. So I just, that's why I'm so vocal about it, because of the harm it has on dark-skinned women who did nothing to deserve this. Like, no one, dark-skinned men, too, mm -hmm. no one deserved any of this. Yeah. Yeah. But because of colonialism and a lot of other things that have shaped our society today, people are marginalized, whether it be all out, like, F black dark-skinned women or just being excluded and, you know, these type of things. Mm -hmm. and, and even the self-hate, too, with yes. the community is, like, yeah. the biggest thing. Like, if you look mm -hmm. at Kodak, like, it's not like he's a white guy. Anymore. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Why are you hating on the rest of the culture? You right. Know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I think it's important to take it beyond, like, I know a lot of people use the term preferences in the in the realm of, like, dating and relationships, mm -hmm. but you have to ask yourself if those pref preferences manifest themselves outside, like, in the mm -hmm. cr right. in oh. careers. Oh, they yeah. do. Well, yeah. We're going to thank you for that transition, because I wanted Our to pleasure. talk about, like, um, the music industry mm -hmm. and artists such as like Macy Gray. Um, I included Erica Badu, but she's kind of in the middle. So whatever. Mm -hmm. And like India Ari who don't get, they're like phenomenal artists. Like mm -hmm. I, you guys probably listen to them. I've actually I'm never actually heard of them. Oh, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Macy Gray is amazing. She's been around for a long time. And like, same with India Ari and they're like dark. They're not even like dark. Cause 
I'm African. I'm like West African. I've seen like all the ranges, all the shades or whatever. They're like mm-hmm. about they're in the middle of the road, you know. Um, they're fair, yeah. And but you don't see they get as much traction as like Nicki Minaj, mm-hmm. Rihanna, right. Beyonce, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's like talk about that. Or even, you know what? We're gonna talk about Macy Gray, and India Ari, um, and Erica Badu, because mm-hmm. Erica Badu has like green. She has like hazel eyes or something, right? And she's like lighter toned. They all have. They're in the same genre, mm-hmm. but these other women aren't. You know. Do y'all listen to Ari Lennox? No. <laughs> no. She's like up and coming, but she's like gotten a lot of traction recently. She's like very light skinned though, like uh, British. Uh, yeah. So I I think that like I actually have heard of Miss Gray. I think they're like kind of comparable. It's like where they are mm-hmm. like in their careers and how long they've been in it. And mm-hmm. I think Ari Lennox is like just like has a lot more like pull kind of. In like the more like underground scene or like the up and coming artists. Is this her? Yes, I actually heard. Okay, you think so? She looks. If uh, this is Ari Lennox. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And you said she is getting like she's pull in the. Yeah. Okay. Can you look well, up Macy Gray, please? Because okay. I feel like she's kind of brown. Maybe this is lighter. Yeah. The thing about the music industry, as opposed to a lot of others, is that the music industry is so heavily based on how you look. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. sure. Like yeah. it's all about mm-hmm. your appearance. So if there's any place where colorism is going to manifest itself, it's going to be the music industry mm-hmm. or any entertainment industry. Yeah. Oh, okay, even natural hair. Okay, and she does um, have yeah. the natural hair. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's all about packaging thing. and like mm-hmm. branding. Yes. You know? It's not even so much like I think increasingly it's becoming about the actual art, but like historically, it's been all about mm-hmm. what you can package the person as, how they can look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like in the music industry, and maybe you guys could speak more on this. I feel like it's more so a uh, woman who who face that colorism debate a little bit more because you know, like you mentioned earlier, so you have all these you know. Uh, fair-skinned uh, artists, you know, like Nicki Minaj, Rihanna, Beyonce, everything like that. And then, you know, personally, me, like, I can only think of like, maybe only so many, you know, dark-skinned women who would really, you know, like, reach, like, the higher Like SZA. Right. Like SZA, yeah. or, like, you know, like, Aretha Franklin or something like that. Like, yeah. you know, like there's only so many, like, I feel like I can think of, but when it comes to, like, you know, light-skinned or, you know, fair-skinned women, everything like that, I feel like, you know, it's a lot more common in our culture to, like, really see them definitely be more successful. And yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. a thing, because even studying with, like, Cardi B and stuff, mm. Um, the music industry really likes this because they can push these artists out to many different types mm-hmm. of people. They relate in yeah. some way, shape, or form to different types of people. Right. And I'm taking like a few calm classes, and we really talk about how like advertising and like reaching. It's re- they're really the ones that are pushing like right. everything. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh, advertising. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like there's a reason why you get certain like songs, you know, in your playlist. Like mm-hmm. people pay to have them there. Like they yeah. know who they want to push. Like suddenly someone comes out, they have all this clout. You're like, where did they come from? Yeah. Like they, <laughs> it was like predetermined. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that like going off of like women in the music industry, like as far as like women in music, like it's about packaging, like sex appeal as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and like the same thing with like men too. Like you know, like Chris Brown usher types, yeah. but like not nearly Great. as much. Yeah. Like, but that's like that's like part of their mo. That's like, but that's like an intrinsic part of like being like a female artist in the music industry. Yeah, is like right. having some of some level of sex appeal. Right, and we could even talk about like male artists and like the music industry, the hip hop industry. Like a lot of trap musicians, trappers or whatever, <laughs> yeah. um, are like dark skinned and it comes with like this energy of like being thug like and whatever. And mm-hmm. you see like light-skinned music like drake and so on are like oh he's light-skinned he's like you know and mm-hmm. even with the lyric like yeah i'm light-skinned but i'm still a dark nigga <laughs> like that makes you really think about 
<laughs> yeah, let's talk That's about it. I have a few. I have a few. I got a few. Stop, Okay. So literally, okay. I had actually wanted to touch on that. Those things you, Aaron and Sia, brought up. So one, like I was actually talking about this with my friend and why men and women go through different like colors and touches them a different way. So. Uh, I think it was a study my friend told me about, or maybe she just noticed this, but dark skin is, is associated with masculinity, mm. which is why even with dark skinned women, they're yeah. seen as aggressive, mm. angry, mean. And this is also why when it comes to like pull and even like the romantic and sex appeal, they're not, they're seen as aggressive and manly and, and yeah. in relationships. We don't want that. We want a calm, light skinned girl. Like this is just the connotation we have with them. Like that's, and that's where I feel like that goes into the industry. Like, if you look at men, like Drake, like you mentioned, is seen as soft because he's light skinned, while our harder rappers are dark skinned. So, when it comes to sex appeal on the women's side, we don't want hard women unless they're going to be rappers, like, you know, Deja Loaf or someone who's aggressive mm-hmm. or yeah, that's, yeah. Their, that's their MO. So, mm-hmm. like Beyonce or even like LMA, I think her name is, or LMA. LMA. They're light skinned. So, they have their, they can't be aggressive. That's not their, that's not how they're packaged, like mm-hmm. Aaron said. And to even talk about colorism, to go a little further, like I've noticed, you mentioned Cardi B, I think, or mm-hmm. one of you. Yeah. yeah. Um, that even goes with like racial ambiguity and how colorism mm-hmm. affects them. Mm-hmm. Like I remember last year, it became a thing on Twitter where we were unpacking Bruno Mars, and I actually really like Bruno Mars a lot. But why does he do so well? It's because, right. or people brought it because he's really racially ambiguous. So mm-hmm. we're like, what is he? Uh, is he black, light skin, uh, Hispanic, mixed? Like they don't know what to categorize him as. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't like you know. He sells better. Mm-hmm. So he's, although I think, I'm not, I don't think he copies at all. I think he gives due to these, like, he credits people. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm inspired by this, this, and this. He is making music that is based on black artists from way back when. Mm-hmm. But he's doing a lot better than they were. And this is because, you know, he's racially ambiguous and go further in, dis- in, dis- in the industry. Similar with Cardi B, who, like, has her own, like, different racial identities. And I'm not one to tell her who she is. Mm-hmm. But because she's... Latina on some days, black on some days, mm. both on other days, like people like she can target different audiences very well and she knows right. that and the media knows that. So I think that with the music industry there's this thing about so there's anti blackness mm-hmm. for sure. And when we do want blackness, we want it to be accompanied with masculinity and hardness and anger. Yeah. Mm. And that's a problem. Mm-hmm. That's very true. And even like I, I know this is a little off topic, but like with Bruno Mars, I think like the m- I think the one reason why he does so well is because he offers black music without talking about the black struggle. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's, that's as simple as that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. All right, so let's get on the topic of, like, bleaching, because I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. watch The Grapevine no, on know. YouTube, but it's, like, a YouTube, like show, like, show where they talk about different issues affecting, like, the black community generally, mm-hmm. but they do bring up, like, some perspectives when it ties into that. And they've done, like, seasons here in the U.S., seasons in the U.K., and they're really popular. Um, and I think they actually went viral for, like, talking about Bruno Mars and so on. But oh, it was on, like, okay. one of the episodes they spoke about, like, skin bleaching in the black community. And I know it's really big, again, being, like, West African. Um, skin bleaching is very big there. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm so put off by it mm-hmm. and, like, disgusted by it. And I, like... When Aaron and I actually did this fellowship and we went to Israel um, a few months ago. So during that trip, my friend, our bang and I were talking about like bleaching and I was like, it's so gross, blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, well, you can compare it to like um, plastic surgery. And I was like, well, that's kind of the wrong thing to comp- like for me to get empathy because I'm not like a pro plastic surgery type of person either. I'm more like 
let's all be natural or whatever but Mm -hmm. like you know so that was interesting like she brought that up and yeah Mm -hmm. and i don't know if you guys Mm -hmm. uh, i'll tell the audience bleaching (laughs) is um buying products to lighten your skin Mm -hmm. so um that's actually a very interesting comparison like i actually recently when i was talking to my friend I, i noticed this parallel and not necessarily with bleaching, but like how some forms of changing yourself are super shamed while some forms are gaining traction. And although we do like want to liberate people to do their own thing, like you can do whatever you want, no one can regulate you, it's still important to unpack why we're doing these things. So with the bleaching, we're doing this. Like I even know in Ghana, it was a whole thing where women would take bleaching pills so their babies would come out lighter. Oh, oh yeah. And literally wow. this like that got a lot of like anger. Even though for plastic surgery, women are altering themselves a lot of times to fit the social standard of beauty. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's interesting. I mean, I also have the same stance as you, Sia. Like, I don't like any of them. But I know a few months ago, I was very like, yeah, you know, I'm going to buy a butt. Like, you know, <laughs> plastic surgery is okay. But like, as as I unpack what I, my motives were, it was still to meet some social standard of beauty, which bleaching also does, you know? Yeah, you know, I was just thinking about this the other day, and it's mm-hmm. interesting because, like you said, like the plastic surgery is gaining a lot of traction. People think, you know, it's your body, you can do what you want. Mm-hmm. And I was the same way. I was like, you know, one day I'm going to buy a butt once I get this money. <laughs> right. I'm going to be living my best life. But then I realized, like, I agree that you should be able to do what you know what you want with yourself, but it's important to understand that whatever you do, as a member of this society, what you do has implications beyond yourself. Mm-hmm. So if you're pushing yourself to become something that's you know more idealized Mm -hmm. you have to understand that the people who see you are going to continue to think that that thing is idealized Mm -hmm. and although it might make you feel better and you you know you can do what you want like i said you have to understand that it's going to affect other people Mm -hmm. yeah that key difference between like doing some kind of like body surgery or like actually like bleaching your skin altogether is like you know back to what we were saying earlier that like that master class difference you know if you're you know maybe three or four shades lighter the way your life can just completely change is incredible, you know, whereas, you know, if you get some kind of, like, body surgery, yes, your life does change, but not to the same degree as which if you, like, were to bleach yourself. Like, if you look at someone like, uh, like Michael Jackson, albeit he did it because of, like, medical reasons, but if you look at the is way... It, it, hmm. huh? <laughs> you said medical reasons. Let's not complain like, Well, anyway, yeah. anyway, but yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like, if you look at the way, you know, his career path changed before and after he did it, it's something mm-hmm. like that, but it just completely changes your life. I mean, I would disagree a little. Like, I feel like with plastic surgery, we don't, like... Well, oftentimes it's not too dramatic. I mean, not too too dramatic, depending on your reasons. Mm. But like, if you think about the industry, and I was talking about with this with my friend as well, like we don't see fat women. Like fat phobia is a oh, very yeah. big true, thing yeah. in the media. Like especially with sex appeal, like there's no sex appeal, unfortunately, with being fat. So let's say a fat woman were to like get a liposuction and become skinny. Like her, their, that person's life would change That's very, very dramatically. Like mm-hmm. I remember looking at like I was talking to her about the Grammys and award shows, like the people we see here have sex appeal because they're thinner or their body ratio is very curvy, you know, like their their life would change. Someone who was fat or big, or not socially acceptably big, they would their life would change very dramatically if they were to become thinner and then also pursue some big, like, let's say, music career. Yeah, yeah. that is true, that is true. Yeah. We definitely, like, that's one of the, like, the mm-hmm. aspects. Like, you talk about colorism, that's something that's, like, starting to come like, in conversation. And this is off topic, but, like, mm-hmm. we really don't talk about, like, body image and, like, size, because right. that's, mm-hmm. like, uh, there's a lot of privilege that's associated mm-hmm. with that. Like, yes. if you were to gain, like, 40 pounds and come back, you would be treated so differently right. by all your friends and even your family. Yes. yes. Oh, we could even talk about SZA, because I don't know if you guys know this, but she lost, like, a, she used to be, like, overweight by society standards. Oh. You can Google oh. 
pictures and that actually makes sense how she even rose yes and she was still creating music at that time but she wasn't as mainstream as she is now Mm -hmm. that she's this like right of course not yes (laughs) so that's like very very fascinating Mm -hmm. and i also wanted to bring up this like point that i included in that question Mm -hmm. how like there are still people who bleach who still love being black will like rep their culture and stuff like that so can we talk about that whether you think it's still like you can be pro-black and want to change your color and be lighter and so on. Um, right. Yeah, I, I personally, I, I, I feel like maybe in someone's own world they can live in that kind of reality, but I feel like the way the world actually is, it's not the case. You know, mm-hmm. if you're going to rep the culture but run away from other people perceiving you as that culture, mm-hmm. you can't truly rep the culture. In my opinion, like it's not yeah. something you can really run away. I don't from, think you'd know? be yeah. pro-black. I think you'd be pro-light skin black. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like the you're not identifying with the, the social implications of like bleaching your skin are like so different from getting mm-hmm. plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, like you like getting liposuction or, but like you're like trying to uh, like run away from yeah. like yourself, yeah. exactly. mm-hmm. like your culture, yeah. yourself. You're trying to okay. be identified. Yeah. Differently, because like, I'd never bleach my skin, but like, I imagine that the idea is like, I want people to perceive me as something that I'm not. Mm-hmm. You know, like right. that's the end result. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. which is interesting because you can understand why someone would feel that way in that society, but it's just unfortunate because to do that would definitely like. Yeah, I think if you reach that point mentally, where it's like, if today, right now, I had the opportunity to completely change my skin and become white, you know, mm-hmm. and if you think to yourself, I mean, yeah, I would do it, or no, I wouldn't do it. That's when you can really ask yourself, like, okay, how invested in the culture am I right now? Like, how much do I buy into the culture? And, like, how mm-hmm. much do I want to be a part of the culture, you know? I mean, but other than, like, genetically changing yourself, let's think about people that were back in what it was called as marrying up or marrying light. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not bleaching yourself, but you're trying oh, yeah. to yeah, make sure that, your that's true. children yeah. are lighter. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's also, like, these people also are very pro-black in a sense, or maybe, like, but they are doing the same thing. They're changing how people mm-hmm. see their family. Like, mm-hmm. maybe I'm brown, but my kids won't be. Like, yeah. my, their grandkids yeah. won't be. Like, they're changing, like, their mm-hmm. lineage, you the know? The way that people try to set their kids up says a lot about how they <laughs> yeah. want themselves to be. Right. Like, yeah. even down to, like, the way you name your kids. Like, right. that's who you want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. very, very yeah. true. And you think about, like, gun bringing up, like, music but also west african like afrobeat music mm-hmm. there are artists like Wizkid, who he has a whole song called caro mm-hmm. and i like i love that song so much but then i realized after someone told me they're like there's a skin bleaching cream called caro and he's even really? saying the song i'm looking for caro and in the music video all the girls are light-skinned racially ambiguous whatever mm-hmm. so hey. when that like connected i was like wow and like you think about that culture, like the movies with um, Nadia, mm-hmm. um, what's her last name? There's a big Ghanaian actress, uh-huh. Nadia Bari. Is she light skinned? She's very light skinned, but she's naturally, she never bleached, but both her parents are dark skinned. So I think it has something to do with, but she looks kind of middle east. I think uh, maybe her mom stepped out on the dad. I really don't know what's going uh-huh. on. So, but that's like her, but you think all these artists are like being pushed in the culture. And that's why you have people like family friends of mine who grew up being darker skinned and now you see them mm-hmm. and they're like Beyonce's color and you're like, oh, <laughs> what's been, going on? indoors a lot, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah. but also like our communities <laughs> also, like they low-key have a lot of bleaching creams like even like in our communities, like we just don't see them. Like I know where I live, like I went to the beauty spot store one time and there was this cream and I was like, it, was even, it would even your skin color out and I was like, oh, I got some dark spots, let me just even it out and my friend was like, no girl, that's a bleaching cream. Like look yeah. at the ingredients. <laughs> no, it's a bleaching cream. Especially if you buy like Korean beauty, mm-hmm. a lot of that has bleach <laughs> right. in it. Which is, mm-hmm. yeah, which is crazy. Like you don't even be knowing. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, oh, light and dark 
works for us. Right. I'm here for it. Let me put this under my eyes. No. You know, you're holding out a shit. <laughs> <laughs> right. Under your eyes. Right. Like it's, my, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, you go. Like my mom, even like when my sister was born, like she got a gift, uh, some lotion, and like apparently later on it was recalled or recalled oh. because it was a bleaching cream. Oh. And like my sister is dramatically lighter than all of us. And maybe it's a bleaching cream or maybe like it's just genetics. Like we do have some light skin people in our family, but like these things are were readily accessible to us and we did, they didn't say bleaching cream on it. It just said, you know, nice skin tone, moisturize, you know. And, and, yeah. and that's the thing, like people don't see it as a problem. You know, mm-hmm. if you're branding it as like, oh, you're not bleaching your skin, you're just making yourself more beautiful. Right. That's where the problem comes in right. when you associate those two together. I think that discourse around like bleaching in like the states is like a lot different than how mm-hmm. it is in Africa though because right. I feel like like for the most part people here in the states don't agree with it we think it's like really strange and mm-hmm. like we really don't agree with it but mm-hmm. like in Africa like it seems more socially acceptable right. which yeah. is like something I don't really understand because I'm not African like yeah. I've lived here my whole life mm-hmm. and like I don't have any African family members but I just think it's really interesting how like mm-hmm. despite yeah. like us being surrounded by white culture and like racism mm-hmm. and like this history like in the United States, like the bleaching is like more popular and more accepted mm-hmm. in Africa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think it also relates to like the finding a partner and stuff. Cause mm-hmm. I have all my uncles actually have lighter skinned wives or whatever. Like, and all my uncles are like mm-hmm. darker. So my family comes in ranges. My grandmother was like lighter, and then my grandfather was like super, like super black, mm-hmm. you know, chocolate. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so my mom and her siblings all range in color and stuff. Her yeah. brothers tend to be darker and then her one sister is like darker mm-hmm. too. Um, and their wives are light skin, you mm-hmm. know? They they don't bleach because mm-hmm. they have some mixing there too. All African, but still, like that's no, I think that's very interesting. Like thing that you bring up is like, I don't know if you guys saw that video that was on Twitter the other day. It was this dark skinned girl and she was talking to her mom and her mom was like, uh, yes. Yes. What, the, what did her mom say? Oh, well, the, the girl was trying to explain to her mom, like, she's why going she, through, yeah, right. like how, how she feels, like her experience being dark skinned. And her mom was like, what do you mean? Like, you're all good. And the girl was like, no, you don't understand. Like, boys don't give me attention. Mm. Right. And the mom was like, why not? Like, you're beautiful. And she's like, mom, they only like light skinned girls. Mm. Look at you and dad, light skinned, dark skinned. Yeah. Look at, like, mm. Auntie and my uncle, light skinned, dark skinned. Actually, like, my friend and they're um, African American, so they're not African. And they were saying that look at our families. Like most times, a dark skin per- when we have a dark skin person marrying someone, they're marrying someone that's light skin. Yeah. Most times, and it's even like with brown skin people, they go after people that are lighter than sk- them. And after that, I was looking at my parents, and I was like, wow, my mom's lighter than my dad. My aunt's lighter than my uncle. Like this transcends even an African thing. I think this is across the black con- like the black diaspora. And if we even unpack, like yeah, bleaching creams are more of an African thing, but in the United States, people marry light and that's a yeah. very common thing yeah mm-hmm. one yeah. thing that i look at is like my own family like i'm very light mm-hmm. so i'm at the tail end of this process because mm-hmm. i look at like my grandfather i look at pictures of like really older relatives like they're dark skin mm-hmm. so i don't know how this happened <laughs> but, like, but it's like getting to the point where i think like we're socialized a mm-hmm. certain way that we look and so like i'm showing because like my sister who is like a little bit darker than me she has like a white boyfriend mm-hmm. that they've been together for yeah. like a really long time. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, is my family gonna be white now? Like, <laughs> got a couple wild. generations. Yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah. It, the thing is, this process has been happening for so long across like the right. past like 80 years, mm-hmm. you know. So like, no, and you can't yeah. force really people has. to like marry and have children with other people. No, man, and so. it's interesting how the children will come out too. Because in mm-hmm. my family, same situation. It's always light skin, dark skin. You know, the woman and the man. My mom is the same shade as me. My dad is dark skin. 
And my brother and I came out like two totally different colors. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my brother is like medium brown, and then I'm just like straight yellow. Mm -hmm. And I remember, like, for me growing up in the white area, it, I really hated being light-skinned, kind of, like, ironically, because um, white people didn't understand, like, my racial ambiguity. So, like, a lot of times I would get called, like, white girl, and Sheesh. it just bothered me a lot. Um, so I, I really disliked my light-skinnedness, and I didn't understand how it was a privilege. But I remember the first time I was in high school, it was my sophomore year, the first time I was talking to one of the few other black boys, um, other black students, a black boy at my school, and he was like, he know he noticed that my brother was a different color than me. And he was like, Steph, like, what colors are your parents? Why is your brother so dark and you're light? And I was like, oh, you know, my mom's light, my dad, my dad's dark. Like, it just kind of happened that way. And he said, oh, your brother came out brown, but you came out light. I guess you were just lucky. Mm. And I remember mm. when I heard that, I was so damn confused. I was like, what? What do you mean? Because <laughs> I didn't understand what colorism was mm -hmm. until, like, I grew up a little bit. Who was telling you this? A, a dark-skinned boy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like that self-hate a little bit, too. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I want to, like, push it that far. but It, like, it is. It yeah. is. I feel like it's so, like, with this discourse, and I've noticed with even racism and colorism, we are so, like, we address it very angrily, yeah. I feel. Like, you hate yourself. You hate your kids. Like, I feel like we're socialized in this way, and I've, we've used that term a lot. Like, we've been raised to think this is the right way. Yeah. So we, it is self-hate, but it's not as intentional as we like to yeah. make it That's seem. Yeah. Like, we can't, like, to address this and address the community, we can't be like, you're a problem. Like, this is the mm -hmm. bad. Like, we have to, I feel like, address with this address this with sensitivity yeah. because not only are light-skinned people, like, very a part of our community, but they're also not necessarily trying, they're not trying to be perpetual, like, perpetuators of evil you know like yeah. they're just living their life in a sense i think, I think that yeah. there's like a definite like need for like healing in our mm -hmm. communities because i like i definitely am self-conscious about like mm -hmm. my appearance and like how mm -hmm. i am in the same way and i like i hate myself and like have gone through a lot of just with like my own self-image but i'm light-skinned you know mm -hmm. and right. i should in the same way that like a lot of dark-skinned people like feel that mm -hmm. type of way and i think it's like it's not exclusive to any type of light skin. We all like have issues with ourselves, mm -hmm. and I think yeah, we all kind of have issues with our blackness, like in mm -hmm. different ways, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, and I think that true. maybe it has something to do with colonialism and just this history. Mm -hmm. But like we're always beating up on ourselves, and we're always like telling like ourselves that we're not enough or that we're wrong in some mm -hmm. sort of way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's like important to like round up this episode to talk about how each, like, a takeaway each of you have, like, taken from your experiences and to also speak on we shouldn't be divided as a community, team light skin, team dark skin, whatever, because we're all brothers and sisters in some way, shape, or mm -hmm. form. You know, you're still black. And not even, like, take away oppression, we still come from the same ancestors. And that's important that we should support each other and also check that when we're being colorist, it's important to, like, check, like, okay, I need to stop, like, check where I'm going because this is not okay. So can right. each of you, like, share out one thing you would like the listeners to, like, mm -hmm. take from this episode? Whether you're white, black, Asian, Latino, you can apply this mm -hmm. to, like, your life mm -hmm. in some way, shape, or form. Um, I think it's important to listen to, like, like, and I think this applies to across, all, across all boards. Like, when someone tells you they're offended or something hurt them, I think listen. Like, I've had experiences like when I was first going through this colorism thing or this colorism problem, and my friends would tell our other friends, yo, you guys are the only ones being talked to at parties. And those friends, uh, like, 
implied that they were ugly and this is why this was happening and yeah. not because of colorism. They're like, um, I don't know. They talk to me. Mm. Maybe it's because they're <laughs> ugly. Like, it was a thing. Oh, so I think it's important to check our privilege and listen. Like, listen to how people feel and unpack this and not be quick to respond. Like, we're very, sometimes it's, you know, Ivy League students and, like, just being smart, quote, unquote. Like, it's important to check ourselves and be able to listen like we're not always right like it's important to acknowledge our privilege and just listen to other other parties say on their experiences yeah and i think going off of that uh my point would be like that self-hate we were addressing a little mm-hmm. bit ago you know um like on a more personal note i know when i was a little bit younger i was like man i'm dark-skinned why is life so hard you know um and like you know it kind of goes both ways where um not always are there a lot of girls that like want to go for dark skin guys and everything like that so it was one of those things where it's like oh my gosh you know i'm dark skin why was i given this like i this sucks like i you know uh, like maybe at one point i was like man what would my life be like if i was lighter skin but then over time you begin to you know stop doing that to yourself and just say okay you know this is the life i've been given i'm either going to you know sit around and be upset about it or i can accept the person that i am and move forward that way and i feel like once you hit that point of like okay i'm gonna accept who i am and move forward with it and i'm gonna embrace what i am and embrace the culture and everything like that you end up so much better off you know i saw this really cool uh post on facebook a while ago with the the movie crazy rich asians and how uh, a lot of people who went to go see the movie they, they like had like a very big revelation about you know who they are with their culture and everything like that and i think it's important to kind of have that same revival seen within like the african diaspora because once you move past this okay you know i am not who i want to be more or less but I am who I am, and I need to accept who I am. Once you like start opening up that package and like start embracing who you are, your life will be so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, for me, I think it's definitely like on the same vein as that. Like this is a lesson that I'm like still learning. I'm in the process, like, and it's been like a very long time. But just knowing that like you're enough. Yeah, like you can't change like what life you've been given. Like you can only work with what you have, and like know that like no matter what, like no anyone says like you're enough. You know. Yeah, Yeah, I think I would kind of echo what Kristen said and I guess kind of challenge everybody to work more towards like being accepting and extending that olive branch to people who aren't like you and people who have unique issues that you don't have to deal with. You know, that's kind of the same thing that we tell white people about like trying to combat racism. It's like, listen to black people, believe them when they say, you know, what they're going through and Mm -hmm. use your privilege to try and do something about it. So that's what I would say too. Thank you, each and every one of you, for coming on this lovely Saturday. You guys are each phenomenal. And um, we encourage everyone who's listening to act on everything you know. Um, Peace and love. We would like to thank Nick Seymour and Kelly's Writer's House. Um, Nick for engineering this episode. And Kelly's Writer's House for giving us the Wexler Studios. (laughs) 